This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Movie Night, a mini-series on the Composer Chronicles where I invite friends to pick a movie, series of movies, or a television show to talk about and its music. For real four of this series, I am beyond excited to be discussing the thrilling score of the Netflix series Dark with none other than Adel Rafai. We'll talk about how beautifully synced the music is to the action in the show and how it drives the story forward without you really knowing. This is The Composer Chronicles, a storytelling podcast about music through the ages. I'm Stephen Shigar, and this is episode number 63, Movie Night, Real 4, Dark with Adol Rafai. today doing well thank you so much for having me absolutely i'm very happy to have you (laughs) well we're today we're talking about the netflix series dark probably one of the best television shows that i have watched (laughs) ever i don't watch a whole lot of tv but this was a wild trip so uh thank you for bringing it to my attention yeah it's truly i can't remember how i found it i believe i'm sure i was just like zooming through netflix and it popped up as like a recommendation or something right but it's truly the best parts of like lost and stranger things and a few other shows it's like the best parts of all of that and it somehow makes it work where a lot of those other shows are disappointing either for the finale or in subsequent seasons this show somehow pulls it all off while using a lot of the same devices in terms of like time travel and um mysterious vaults and portals and it's just it's so it's so tasty and it's an interesting thing of like because it's german i can't i i'm never focused on like i feel like anytime i watch a foreign film or a foreign tv show i'm never focused on like the acting of like this is bad acting (laughs) whereas with american tv shows a lot of times i'll be like woof that is a bad actor yeah i i think because it's all subtitles or I, i i do the subs over dubs it's always I'm always like I trust that this person's a great actor and I can't tell because of the language uh, difference I can't tell if they're <laughs> you know if they're nailing it or not but I trust that they are so it's it's always enjoyable to to watch something um, not American because then I'm or not in English because then I'm not focused on the acting yeah absolutely I ended up watching it in English uh, just so that I could uh, 
consume it as as quickly as I could. Uh, I do plan on going back and rewatching it with the original German. I was going back in and out of the English and the German a little bit to kind of try and see like, oh, how, how does this character actually sound? And you know, I would go back oh, yeah. to it and I was like, oh my gosh, that, that, that fits the character way more. Because the English, <laughs> I'm, I must say, the English dubs for that show were not great. Uh, it was kind of emotionless most of the time. Sure. And I mean, and I, I think I get it. I mean, there's only so much money they can put into a, a dub, but uh, there was... Um, and, and plus, you're not the character. You're not the character acting it out. So there's no, you can't protrude that that emotion as well. Yeah, it's it's a difference of it's it's a difference of someone on set with the other actor responding to an emotion, and someone sitting in a sound booth doing three or four takes. It's I I always um, laugh at like anytime I watch like a Miyazaki film or something. Yeah. With the with if I ever try out the dubs over the subs, it's always funny of like someone's like. Hello, Grandpa. It's nice to see you. <laughs> and, and then you put on the the subs, and you're like, "Oh, this person has way more energy. They're way more they're way more aligned with how I think the character should sound." Like it's just interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was a ride, and I can't wait to rewatch it again with the uh, the actual German and with the subtitles. Maybe I can uh, get by with just focusing on the German without the subtitles. Now that yeah. I've watched it and just. <laughs> Just watch it for the art of it. Relax and let it wash over you, man. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it was interesting that you actually had brought up Dark um, because it became kind of an interesting joke on this podcast uh, that when I was originally starting to reach out to, to guests to feature on the Composer Chronicles, I was... Uh, I emailed a guy in England named Ben Morales Frost and he reached back out to me after I had uh, initiated the conversation and he said to me, I just want to make sure that you are in fact referring to me and not the guy who wrote the, the score for Dark. And I said, oh, I didn't realize that there were two Ben Frosts uh, <laughs> within the film scoring industry, but uh uh, yes, I am referring to you because I was only looking at you and not the other guy, but thanks for <laughs> introducing me to uh, the other person as well. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, that's not that's not a common name, and I, I feel like especially with a German film or German TV series, you wouldn't think. Very cool. Yeah, so it was uh, kind of uh, kind of coming back here and uh, kind of full circle a little bit, and uh, th this music was was a trip. I, I think some of my favorite parts of this music were the fact that they were using an original score on top of uh, pre-recorded music, uh, not just pop music or pop music, but also other classical composers' music like Caroline Shaw. And it was, it was so interesting to, to watch this and listen to that music. I truly think more than any other uh, TV show, movie, anything, any, any sort of um, medium I've digested, this, the music helps. So the music is, uh, I hate saying this, <laughs> it always sounds so stupid, but it's like, the music was its own character. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it truly is like, they really carve out huge chunks of time to be like, let's just zoom in on the town or the forest or a character reacting and let's just play like two minutes of music to really 
underpin this moment and like make it make it uh, stick in everyone's craw a little bit. Like it's it's so effective, and it's just so I've never felt I've never felt as strongly watching anything as I do with Dark and, and uh, because of the musical pairing. I mean the, the the only thing that comes close is like my favorite movie of all time is Beetlejuice. Yeah, and the, Danny Elfman's score in that is just like gives me goosebumps where I'm like this is. This score is doing everything for me. Yeah. Um. But but I feel like Dark even even passes that, and just in terms of how effective the music is, and just how perfectly selected and timed everything is. Like they really let the music dominate a lot of screen time versus yeah. versus letting it fade out to be like, okay, a scene's coming, get rid of the music. They're just like, fuck it. They they definitely just let the music go on as long as they need to, and then and then the scenes just happen to to swing by after that. It's so cool. Yeah. I don't know if if it is true, but it felt like there was music constantly, if not like just a, a drone in the background at at, at least at some point. Uh, and it, it felt like there was something always, always happening and there was some emotion to portray and the music was just always there. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's not even cause like with, with, um, I feel like Lost is a good comp in terms of like it's a lot of similar subject matter, a lot of mysteries to unravel. But with Dark, it's like you see you you might catch up with the same character over three different chunks of their t- their lifetime. So you might see them as a kid, you see them as a thirty something, and then you see them as like a seventy year old or an octogenarian. Right. And it's like anytime we visit the the older version, because it's so unnatural, because it's so it's dealing with time travel and all this this weird mystery the the music never lets you get comfortable the music is there to remind you like this is unnatural like <laughs> man was not meant to fuck with time like yeah. what do you so so you're always feeling very uneasy and did you get a chance to watch season two at all i watched the whole thing oh hell yeah so in season two yeah as you know there's there's like almost like split um like different dimensional uh, versions of the characters. Yeah. So it's like same age, but now it's from a different reality or a different dimension or or timeline. Um, I think is the term they use. So it, it, even with that, it's like when you meet someone from the other timeline, the music is like not letting you forget how eerie this is, how creepy this is, how sinister some of the characters are. It just, the music does all the lifting. Like it's just wonderful, just so good. Absolutely. And even in some of the more peaceful moments, there's still some kind of level of uneasiness throughout the whole thing. And I, I feel like most of that has to do with the, the kind of electric sounds that were being used on top of the, the orchestral ones. But there was always some level of uneasiness throughout the whole entire score. Uh, even in the, the pre-recorded songs, uh, there was always just something of course dark <laughs> the whole thing uh it was, uh, turns out there were like i think what i was saying like some of those peaceful moments like i think one of my favorite moments of all was uh when uh jonas is uh kind of hiding in, in the in the forest as he's watching his kind of like just a few days before self uh and they're at the they're at the lake and uh Jonas is getting ready and he forgets that he has to go help his grandmother with uh, her iPad or whatever. And uh, 
the older Jonas, the sta- still a teenager, but the older Jonas <laughs> comes up, replaces the younger one, uh, and gives his uh, his prophetic line of uh, "We're perfect for each other, and don't ever believe anything else." And uh, and that music, I was like, I want to love this music so much. This big kind of swell, but there's something just not letting me have that moment, uh, which is all too uh, prophetic for later on in the season or later on the series when when all kind of just <laughs> just breaks loose and you can't even you can't even enjoy their story at the end <laughs> oh yeah yeah and it, it's 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 something where it's like the first uh, I've watched some of the episodes a few times and it's like the upon first viewing I kind of would just would just absorb it and then when I go back and watch it I realized like you said the effect it's having where it's like it is making me feel a certain way or it's not letting me get comfortable. And it reminded me of like, this, this isn't necessarily a one-to-one, but it's something of like, when you go to Las Vegas, how it's like, you go on the casino floor and you're like, oh, this is so much fun. I'm, the sounds of the casino. And like, this is so fun. Yeah. And then you realize like, they don't put clocks anywhere and that's to keep you not concerned about time. They, pu- they pump in nonstop oxygen to make people feel awake and like willing, like energized to spend money. So it's like all these behind the scenes uh, uh, things that are like affecting you in a way that you you think are uh, positive, but they're actually <laughs> right. for the benefit of the of the uh, casino or in this case, the show. Right. I also have to say maybe the. I think I'm going to say my favorite opening of all time, like the, the intro, the opening of each episode, that song is, I, I think to me, the, the two most, uh, do you mind if I go into like the two most effective songs for me? Of ple- yes, please. So the first, oh, I lost the name of it. Um, whatever, uh, the, the opening song that goes over the credits, it used to be, my favorite opening credits used to be Dexter. Okay. Um, which is, have you ever seen that? I haven't, no. So he's, I'm sure you know, he's a serial killer who kills other serial killers. So the whole opening credits of Dexter is like him tying his shoes. But the way they film it is like you see a rope twist around his hand and he pulls it and the, the, the tension of the material. And you, you're like, oh, he's strangling someone. And then they pan down and it's him tying his shoes. Uh-huh. Or you see like a knife, uh, like a, um, a serrated knife going through flesh. And it looks like there's blood spilling out or viscera. And then you pan over and he's cutting into a blood orange to make his orange juice. <laughs> so it's like it's showing the violence of like everyday actions. Yeah. That we we wouldn't think twice about. But it's showing like how violent they could appear or how violent they can be. So that used to be my favorite opening credits. But Dark um, dark overtook that with the, the sort of mirror image clips from the season that appear. And then the song is Goodbye by Apparat. And I, I assume, I don't know if you know, I, I assume this is a song that existed before the show. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. But the song is just absolutely haunting. And it starts with like tribal drums and then it get, there's like a plangy guitar. Yeah, it's like plucking of like an over tightened guitar or something. Yeah. And then there's like some some like uh, almost like choir voices going on. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just the best. That, that song every day all the all day every day does it for me yeah that's something that i would download on my spotify uh just to listen to on its own yeah and then and then the other song the song that was like the most powerful me uh powerful for me during the during the show like during um 
not during the opening, was a song called Familiar, but I get it has a lot of little umlauts, so it might be like Familia uh, <laughs> by Agnes Obel. Okay. And then it says Dash Citizen of Glass. Um, and this is just a beautiful song, and it has like a, a, a high female voice. I feel like a lot of songs in Dark have like a high or like somber female voice. Yeah. Um, so it has this sort of somber female voice, and then there's a male voice that, that slips in that almost sounds like Anthony and the Johnstons. Uh, yeah. Johnstons, if you ever remember that band. Yeah. Um, but I believe that song hap- plays during a scene in the first season where like all the birds die, like all the birds are falling from the sky. Um, and it was just like, I'm like, oh, this is one of my favorite viewing experiences of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just so well done. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Speaking of all these, uh, these pre-recorded songs, how do you felt like these pre-recorded songs fit in with the, the composed score for this series? I, th- I, for the most part, seamlessly, like, I feel like for the most part, I, cause even with the opening credit song, I was like, this could have been made for the show because it fits the tone so well, or it could be a band that just happened to like <laughs> nail yeah. what they needed. Yeah. Um, so to me it was almost seamless. The only time, and it still worked with, with the show, but I think there's, um, what is it? Round, uh, you spin me right round. Yeah. Who sings that? The, you spin me rat. No, not rat um quiet right no there's been so many covers of that song that i feel like <laughs> i feel like the original is lost to me but when that song appears um so there's that song uh dead or alive it says must be it that song and i think there's maybe like a dan deacon song um so there's a few i think any american song took me out of the show slightly where i was like because I know this song, I'm now aware of it, and like I know the lyrics, and I know that this is like they bought the rights for this, so it it took me out of it a little bit. But any any song uh, that wasn't American, which is almost every other song, I felt like this is maybe written for the show, or if not, it's it's seamless in terms of like how well it fits in with it. Right. I I think I specifically remember one. Uh, I think it was in the third season um, where they found a song that focused around Ariadne and it kind of brings you back all the way to the first season where uh, Martha is, is putting on this play of Ariadne and you're like, wait, they, they did. I mean, this was one of the pre-recorded songs that they had to find something that dealt with Ariadne <laughs> and uh and put it in uh, sometime later in the season to give you kind of call back to two seasons ago while they're, while this big dramatic sex scene. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there was Pretty a lot intense. of that. Yeah. Pretty was, intense. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of good pre-recorded songs and I was surprised that they used still any American. I, I, maybe that's probably because it's Netflix and they were trying to appeal to the American audience as well, but there was a lot of English. Uh, yeah. English uh, songs that they used in the show, which I mean, it was, it was a nice reprieve to know a song every once in a while, but there were also a lot of songs that were in there that, um, that felt like it was also part of the recorded of the um, the score written for the show. Uh, I think I said earlier there was um, there's a piece that they used uh, by a composer Caroline Shaw, uh, where it starts off with just like like guttural sounds like they're, they're, like they're breathing, <sighs> and oh yeah, 
Yeah, I know exactly. The, I know exactly the score you're talking about. Yeah, that was not written by the composer of the the score, and, and I I actually found that out this morning. I was like, wait, that that that's one of the most like used pieces of music throughout the first season, um, which I, I was blown away by that. And then at the same time, when they reused that same piece at the end of the third season, when uh, Martha realizes that it's not her Jonas anymore. Uh, it's just, there was, the music is just so well placed throughout the whole entire series. And we should, we should specify, Stephen, for those of you who haven't seen this show, it's about a German girl named Martha. She falls in love with one of the Jonas brothers. She can't remember which one she met out with. And so it's a whole to do. Um, I, I think that, that uh, I think uh, I didn't know this until you mentioned it. So I don't want to talk, uh, sound like I know what I'm talking about. No, Caroline Shaw. Is that who you said? Yeah. So I think that Caroline Shaw uh, song is also used in devs. Okay. The recent uh, Hulu show, which is phenomenal. Um, but that that also has a great score and, and uses music really well throughout. So I, I, if you haven't seen Devs, D-E-V-S on Hulu, I highly, highly recommend that. Yeah, I'll have to check that out because I am looking for a whole lot more stuff, a whole, whole lot more stuff to watch because uh, I am years behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were some of your favorite moments overall in the whole series musically? Um. It's hard to, it's been a little while since I saw it because I, I watched each season as it came out. So I, I know, I mean, I know specifically in the first season when the birds fall from the sky, that that moment of like, what the hell is going on paired with the the, the song I mentioned, like that whole experience was probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, But I feel like there's a lot of, um, anytime there's, there's some sort of reveal, like I feel like when the... Um, what is it when it's all, it's th this show, you could watch it a hundred times and still be like, wait, who was that? Or like, yeah. what was that? How was that person connected? It's so <laughs> complex. So complex. But, uh -huh. but thoroughly enjoyable. Um, there's the, the guy who finds his dad's suicide note yeah. where it's like, yeah, when he, when he like opens up that and there he's kind of like sitting at the table, I believe after kind of finding out what's piecing it all together. Yeah. That moment with the score underneath was um, very, very effective and powerful. I feel like a lot of this stuff, I love uh, Claudio Tiedemann is maybe my favorite name in the world to say. <laughs> Claudio Tiedemann. Um, I feel like a lot of her stuff, whenever she's meeting her past self or, or going through hard times, I feel like the music they choose for her journey is really effective. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard to, to, it's it's all one giant lump of uh, time travel, so I, I'm, it's it's hard to parse out certain moments, but the, those stick out as um, some very effective, memorable moments. Yeah, I think one of my favorite moments was one of the the scenes that I've described before of uh, Jonas coming to to see Martha and professing his love for her on the beach of this this lake. And uh, I think one of my the reasons for that moment being one of my favorites is because of it being this moment of extreme love and, 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 and intense romance. And you can't, you, you're, you're not allowed to feel that with them at that same time, because one, the music won't allow you. And two, you already kind of know with the direction that everything is heading. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely agree. The moment where the birds are falling, uh, that's a that's a fantastic piece that was underscoring that whole thing. I think there's also with with 
the character of Adam, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like with the Adam character, who's f- for the most part like the main villain, like yeah. Adam's. Well, I mean, the, there's this complex, but I feel like Adam is is pretty sinister. But I um, there's this there's several scenes with him where there's like industrial music, where it's yeah. a lot of like clanging and almost like nine inch nails light, like a lot of industrial. Where, where, and I feel like that was always really cool to to yeah. have that um ominous score behind him. Yeah, the the clanging, like somebody's like taking a hammer to an anvil or something like that. Uh, that was, yeah, I I didn't pick up on that particular uh, music until the till they started introducing Adam to the whole the whole picture. Um, so yeah, I um, I was trying to piece out where that music was, and I and now that you mention it, that's that's where I was that's where i was hearing that music in association with yeah i i I think adam and maybe noah as well or maybe i might be conflating the two but i think i think with what maybe it was noah but with adam or noah or maybe both there was that that sort of industrial mechanical music yeah and would also appear with um i don't know if they ever really mentioned the character's name but in the third season the the son of martha and Jonas, who you don't find out is their uh, spoiler. You're not. You don't find out it's their their child until like the last episode, um, and uh, it's the 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 youngest, the middle, and the old guy. They're all constantly with each other. Uh, that that clanging sound also plays with them as well. So creepy. That trio is so creepy. <laughs> I know. And you you all you always know when one is about to kill somebody when the uh the youngest and the the oldest cross their arms uh together and it was like, uh-oh, something's about to go down. <laughs> I think it is so fun to just be like, what if like you right now, Stephen, what if like 10-year-old you and 65-year-old you just like went throughout time just kicking ass where it's just like <laughs> it, it's almost like in uh what's the fucking movie social network where he's like i'm six foot five and there's two of me with the winklevoss twins yeah it's like there's three of me and we're all different ages yeah uh it's just it's so funny and so creepy yeah all different skill sets and uh we can kill you in various ways and uh all, neither only one of us will be responsible <laughs> <laughs> But the one musical moment that I had the hardest time pinning to any kind of emotion, character, anything, was like the the main theme of the whole thing of that, that those strings playing the the uh, the whining. I I couldn't figure oh, yeah. out what that was associated with, associated with because it happened so much. At first, I thought it was like associated with the the power plant. Uh, associated with with death but every time i would like kind of have an idea as to what it was associated with it was like nope never mind that's not it uh i don't know if you had any <laughs> ideas as to what that might be with uh i don't i mean i, I very much recognized that that was maybe in every episode or like yeah. constantly played <laughs> constantly. but i never I never had like a concrete, like I can tether this music to this. This is what happening. I mean, I, I guess uh, like on the spot, I would, f- to, to, to guess, I would say like, maybe that's the sound of like the timeline splitting or like, 
the 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 air <laughs> changing as you crawl through that tunnel into a different time. Yeah, uh, thirty three years to the past or future. Um, it's thirty three, right? Thirty three years. Yeah, thirty three. Either um, way, yeah. Which is interesting because I, uh, when I was in college, uh, maybe I was like 19 or 20 at the time, I took mushrooms for the first time. <laughs> me, me and my college roommate took mushrooms. And all we did was sit inside of our, par- our apartment and we slowly discovered that the number 33 is the meaning of life. <laughs> like we kept like, as we were talking and looking around the room, we're like, everything is 33. 33 is the, is the magical number. That's the meaning of life. And then we like... We looked at our apartment door. We like opened the door quickly and we were apartment number eight and we're like an eight represents infinity, right? An eight is the infinity loop. If you slice an eight down the middle and then reverse half of it, it becomes two threes. And we're like 33. If you take 33 and, you know, put it together, you know, flip one, three and put it together to Nate, you know? So we were like blowing our own minds. (laughs) And then from that, from that day forward, I was like 33, anytime I, I play roulette or anything like 33 is my number. Like it's, that's my number for life. So I was thrilled when this show was like 33. using 33 as a, as a big, um, as a big component. But yeah, I think maybe that music was like just the, 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 the strings of time being fiddled with maybe. I don't know if it's just me and trying to be the, uh, the musical historian that I am that I was trying to, um, in the third season, I was like, oh, there's a, there's a musical little thing that they're doing here uh, at that uh, kind of sounds like it going in reverse because the whole third season is about the whole like flipping around of everything, which visually that was also incredible what they did with literally flipping the whole thing in mirror, um, even down to the small details of placing the two worlds side by side and you're looking at a... Um, at a traffic light and one's green and one's red. Oh yeah. It was so incredibly detailed. And uh, throughout that season, I was trying to like listen to see if I could hear the, uh, that, that string theme in reverse. And I kind of found it a little bit, but I think I'm stretching. (laughs) I think I was like, I need to find this. I need to find it and anything (laughs) will do. (laughs) I can't think of any other major, major themes that I was like, this, this is constantly, constantly showing something. I mean, the, the, the instrumentation was incredible as well. Using, using the, uh, like a a whole bunch of electronic sounds on top of this kind of orchestral score, um, which I found very very interesting uh especially because you got this um very industrial setting uh, on top of something so kind of mystical in a way so blending those two worlds together with that music was was i i it was so great (laughs) i could i could talk about this music all day you you noticed the music but in a good way in a in a way of like this is this is pairing together sl- so perfectly. That's how you notice it. Versus like, um, I'll think of an example of oh, uh, like in Joker, the Walking uh, Phoenix movie. Yeah, um, there's a moment where the famous like stair scene, when he's like jumping down the stairs in slow, mo- slow motion, and like Jock Jams is playing. It's like da 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 da, yeah, or whatever that song is from Jock Jams. Yeah. And I was like, this is. I'm I'm hyper aware of the music in a way of like I hate this like the, <laughs> this pairing, 
this is like wine and uh, you know fruit loops or something where i'm like this is just an awful pairing like so bad but but i feel like dark you notice it in a way of like you can't stop obsessing over how perfectly everything is is married together in terms of the sound the, the music the score and then what's happening visually and then with the, with the storyline as well I, I i do feel like whoever the cinematographer were, was uh, on this show or whoever was um in charge of all that like deserves all the awards like i feel like that was so a, a word i rarely use is like sumptuous like i feel like it was so sumptuously shot like every every frame i'm like i want that hanging on my wall like it's yeah. just so gorgeous without music be like i certainly don't want to know this podcast would not exist luckily we don't have to find out what that world is like i do a lot of listening in a day between all of my favorite music and podcasts and it's not just for entertainment i'm constantly doing research for this podcast and switching back and forth between apps to listen to a podcast episode and then a piece of music can get tiresome if I'm trying to quickly switch back and forth. From an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle to Stravinsky's The Firebird Ballet Suite and then to Lady Gaga's latest album, I can listen to them all on Amazon Music whenever and wherever I want. I start listening when I get into my car and then when I get home, I switch over to my Alexa while I cook dinner for me and my fiance. Listeners of this podcast can join me in listening to all of the best music and greatest podcasts on Amazon Music Unlimited right now when you sign up today at getamazonmusic.com slash the Composer Chronicles and get your first 30 days for free. You can get unlimited access to any song and do all of that listening without any ads. So again, go to getamazonmusic.com slash The Composer Chronicles and start listening on Amazon Music Unlimited today. finishing up the third season is I, I mean I could not imagine putting on all that dirty makeup all day <laughs> and recording I mean that that was I mean I've seen some grungy shows before but there were they were there were characters who in every shot they were constantly they constantly had dirt all yeah. over them and 
that's I think what it was what also made it so incredibly beautiful as well. Uh, you you have these incredible shots and they're also kind of, I mean, I don't know if it was just my, the screens I was watching it on, but it felt kind of faded out, kind of, kind of almost going in the direction of a, a sepia uh, a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with like, I, I think the future realm when they go into the future with all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something about not, not only visually, but I feel like the, the music, especially there's something about, I really, really enjoy songs that are like beautifully sad. Like I don't like songs that are just sad in a way of like this is so depressing. But but almost like Jeff Buckley is like a I'm a huge Jeff Buckley fan. Yeah. And if like his songs you're you're just like, I wanna cry because of how beautiful this is and like it's sad in a way that makes you wanna like live life. And I feel like Dark has a Dark has a lot of de- depressing fucked up moments. But I feel like so much of the music is like beautiful, sad, like Elliot Smith or like it's just very um, Tom McRae. It's like very effective in terms of if the, it, any one of those songs could be used as like the 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 climax in a movie. Right. Where you're somebody's kissing in the rain and you're crying because it's like it all worked out or maybe it didn't or whatever that is. I just love that the, the sort of beautiful sadness of of dark in, in many ways, um, but specifically the music. Yeah. You you mentioned rain. I was thinking throughout the whole thing, why is it always raining? <laughs> and uh, yeah. and they actually do a little little hint to it in the third season with uh, uh, I can't remember her name. So Soji Soja. I can't remember her name. Um, Bartosh's eventual wife, um, where she she says in that in the, just a really quick throwaway thing. Will it ever stop raining? Or something, <laughs> something along yeah. those lines. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, I assumed it was, I have no knowledge about this, but I think my ignorance suggested to my brain that um, the nuclear power plant caused it to rain. Yeah. Whereas like, bec- because it's putting out all these chemicals into the air, I'm like, surely that must be a, because I absolutely notice. I'm like, it's raining nonstop. Yeah. Um, the, this beats Hilo. This beats Seattle is like the number one city in the world for rain. But I was very much like, Oh, this must be a, a side effect of nuclear fusion or fission. Or I mean, it, it just seemed like there was something literally in the air causing that much torrential downpour. Yeah. And also on top of being dressed in all of this, this dirty makeup, there's constantly being wet the whole time you're, you're filming. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, if, I'm sure that you were getting paid quite well, but uh, just to be sure, sure. constant, constantly wet. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of the other moments that I thought of while you were talking about some of my favorite scenes musically was when, uh, Jonas and Martha were starting to kind of disappear, uh, having resolved the whole not issue. And the music there was kind of one of those moments where you finally get some kind of musical resolution where you don't have that added level of industrialism on top of it that kind of there's there's something there that is always preventing you from wanting to enjoy a moment. That was one of the moments where I felt like, oh, finally, a moment where it says nothing's peaceful, and finally the music is allowing us to to enjoy it. Um, yeah, it was it was one of my favorite moments. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And now I have to go back and watch that scene. Yeah, it was, and, and not just that, but all the, you, there are the colors there as well. You're starting to finally see these colors uh, just a few moments before they're, they're going through the, the, the tunnel uh, and uh, Tanhouse, uh, I think his name was, um, uh-huh. is starting up that machine to, to separate the worlds. Uh, and they, the, the bright light is causing all these little blue flecks of, of light uh, to come in. And now they're in this tunnel of just constant sparks. Uh, just so like that, that was a moment where the color started to, to come through and you, you, you're not just constantly in this, uh, this world of yellow. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's all, it's also, um, there, there's so much, a lot of the darkness is like establishing shots. Like I feel like more so than anything I've ever watched this show is like establishment, establishing shot city where it's like, here's the outside of this person's house for 20 seconds yeah, and now we'll take you to the hallway outside their room. Yeah, <laughs> and now you are rewarded by being in their bedroom, and you can hear them. Like I feel like so many of the shots are just establishing establishing shots, and eventually it becomes you realize it becomes necessary because of how how muddled uh, the timelines become and everything. You need those establishing shots to be like, great, we're here. This is where we're at. We're at this in this timeline or this version of things or this yeah. you know, year. So I feel like it becomes highly important, but I, I very much noticed a lot of the sort of yellow shots are a lot of establishing shots with like the, the um, external um, view of, of a building or a house. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's a perfect way to describe it because you are, when well, you're switching back and forth between worlds, especially in the third, the third season where you're, they do this weird uh, f- uh, fade out to the next world and you have to try to remember which which world you're in now and establishing okay am i in the world where the house faces this direction or am i in the world where the house faces that direction um or whatever uh it was you it was definitely needed to try to remind yourself there were moments where they didn't do that and i was like okay okay her hair is longer so they must be in this world uh, mm-hmm. or Francisca's deaf, so they can't do, they're not, can't be in that world. Uh, but then when the world start melding together, it's like, uh, who, which one is which? <laughs> <laughs> There's a mad scramble for sanity. Oh, it was, and then it was, the, the ending was just like, oh, thank gosh. <laughs> for anybody listening who hasn't watched the show, I know it sounds like we're making up storylines in terms of like how convoluted things are uh but i truly this show is phenomenal so please check it out yeah absolutely everybody is everybody else's parents Mm -hmm. uh your mother is your your daughter uh your your girlfriend is your aunt (laughs) uh this is basically freud's wet dream it's just like this show yeah (laughs) gosh it was it was and it like the, through the whole thing, you're like, oh, this the, this first season was like, oh wow, you you realize that that uh, Martha is really Jonas's aunt in a different life and uh, and in a, in a in a time loop or whatever, and um, and you're like, wow, that's that's really really powerful, and then it, like it just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Charlotte Charlotte is both her daughter is her daughter's 
mother or <laughs> Charlotte's daughter is her is also her mother. Uh, yeah, she's she's her own grandma. Is that? Yeah. No. Is that how it is? Yeah, it's a lot of it's it's a lot of mental gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah, but then like the web is so tangled that when you finally get to the last five minutes of the whole entire show there are so few people left there's uh there's hannah there's waller um there's katharina uh regina is there and there's only there's only six there you're like this this is it out of this whole tangled (laughs) web these are the only remaining people that were not intended to be here uh there's a whole cavalcade of characters that just got uh cut for time yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah but uh it was it was a fantastic show thank you so much for introducing it to me i was i was so excited to to finally get a chance to watch it and uh i had to i i think a few times i had to go back and after i finished the season i would go onto spotify and i would listen to the whole soundtrack over again just to try and piece things together to see if there were musical moments that i missed that would possibly trigger musical uh, moments in the in the scenes that i could remember um especially when i was trying to figure out what that whole like string thing was where they were just um the constant like it, what the reason why I felt like it was yeah, <laughs> I I it sounded like uh, the the sirens of um of a reactor kind of failing, and I was like, oh maybe oh, yeah. that's what it is, uh, but it wouldn't it wouldn't line up every time. It wouldn't constantly be with the the power plant, and uh, so I tried to go back and listen to the soundtrack for the moments like that where I'm like, does does this music trigger any visuals to me that would allow me that would kind of retroactively give a give something to me but it it did that one particular moment never did i would be i would spend upwards of 500 dollars if there was some sort of compendium or book that was just like here's all the symbolism here's here's the music and like how it you know all that jazz like i i feel like i want to know um it's almost like jurassic park when you find out that the the T-Rex scream was like a lion plus a pig snort plus a like you you hear how they made it and you're like oh my god that's so cool like i want that for dark but for the whole series and for every moment and if i ever if i ever uh become a college professor which i already am i forgot <laughs> um i teach improv but if i ever taught like film or something i feel like my whole class would be like give all the kids an edible turn off the lights and play episodes of dark every every week oh no and just, and never talk to them. Just be like, there's, this is, you know, I feel like that would blow minds. I feel like, I wish that would have been a, I, I feel like when I was in college, I wish that was a class was just getting high and watching dark. <laughs> that is, oh my God. I, I already felt high watching mm-hmm. the show. So adding, <laughs> being physically high already on top of that would be the worst trip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like, someone has to write like a, there's a lot of books that are like, philosophy in the simpsons or like harry potter and and philosophy i feel like someone should write a book about dark and like philosophy and the all, all the layers to it because it's just it would take a lifetime to unpack all the stuff they put into that show and, and but i i want to try because it's so rewarding and so good 
Yeah. Like the whole philosophy on it. I couldn't, the whole time I was watching that show, I was like, what does this have to do with dark? Like there's what, what, what aspect of any of this part of the show is deals with the word dark. And it wasn't until the last episode where they actually start to, to piece that together. And Hannah's like, I just, I had a dream where everything was in total darkness and it was the absolute best. Uh, and the, the, the whole philosophy behind that was, I was like, what <laughs> what <laughs> oh you 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 waited 20 some odd episodes at this point i've gone through what like nearly 30 hours of of this show and 30 hours later you are finally telling us why <laughs> the show is finally titled the way it is <laughs> then this, this whole yeah. philosophy behind it of darkness is is the only peace that we ever have in this life and <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you so much for this wonderful conversation about thank the, you so much for having me yeah this was a fantastic conversation uh and a show that i can't wait to watch again uh with the uh the german this time uh <laughs> <laughs> truly just talking with you about it makes me so excited to re-listen to the 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 soundtrack yeah on spotify if you type in dark there's there's several different playlists that i think capture most of the songs yeah um but I, n- yeah now i'm now i'm itching to to go into the kitchen and clean the house and just put on, <laughs> put on this music and cry and cry my <laughs> fucking eyes out just constantly like trying to look <laughs> is there anybody watching me uh is there, I feel like- yeah <laughs> is there a future version of me in the window yeah, I, I actually, when I first started, when you actually uh, brought up this show to me, I actually first started by listening to the soundtrack on my way to work that morning. Um, and because I live in Philadelphia and I work in downtown Philadelphia, uh, those all the industrial sounds, I was having the hardest time distinguishing what was something that was happening around me or what was happening <laughs> in the score. Um, <laughs> And there's, to be fair, there's a lot of songs that are like, open your eyes, cheese steak. There's a lot of like uh, Philly references, a lot of German Philly. Right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Joel Embiid references in these songs. <laughs> oh, I have to ask. Uh, I don't know if you're a sports fan at all, but surely you're aware. Did the city, is? I saw people like burning Ben Simmons jerseys. Does everyone in Philly despise Ben Simmons? Is he like enemy number one? I don't know. I, I I see I see all these things happen all the time. Everybody's rioting about something here in Philadelphia yeah. uh, for the for the dumbest reasons um, because um, gritty gritty smiled a certain way or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, gritty, I agree with that because gritty's terrifying. Grit. If there should be uh, now, I want the one thing I would change about Dark is I would make gritty a character. Like they go back in time and constantly in the background. (laughs) It's just gritty on the cross, like Jesus or something. (laughs) Kind of a um, haunting of Hill house style where there's a a gritty kind of like transparent in the background at all times. (laughs) Spot the gritty. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just see, you just see gritty standing in the cave every time that there's a shot to the cave. (laughs) Is that fucking gritty? Oh my God. God, fantastic! Yeah, I already see it on a day-to-day basis everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) 
So let's, let's add it. it into a TV show where I had to watch it the whole time. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. This was such an incredible conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, thanks for having me. Where can people check you out and more of your stuff? Um, you can find me on the podcast Hello from the Magic Tavern. It's an improvised fantasy podcast. Um, I also do a show called Hey Riddle Riddle, which is me and two friends trying to solve puzzles, riddles, lateral thinking problems, and uh, goofing and gagging along the way. Yeah. Um, and then you can also find me, if you're ever in Philadelphia, swing by the, the Mutter Museum. Mutter Museum? Mutter? I'll probably be walking around that freak show with my headphones on listening to the dark score because those two would those two would pair very nicely. It's a lot of uh, anomalies and freakish body parts and stuff. I uh, that was one, that's one of my favorite museums. I, every time somebody who hasn't visited Philadelphia yet uh, in my family, I always take them there first. And they're like, what? Why? Why is this museum in Philadelphia? <laughs> I went with two friends. And me and this other friend were like obsessed. We're like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then our our other friend, the third guy, had to leave because he's like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I think he saw the, the soap lady and he's like, I'm going to throw up if I don't leave. Oh, yeah. And the, the further you go down into the museum, you don't go up. You go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the creepier it gets, all the the uh, the intestines, all the little body parts that are kept in these uh, formaldehyde jars, and oh yeah, it's yeah. descending into madness. Yeah, and the whole in a good way. Yeah, the whole wall of just skeletons. Uh, <laughs> it's so a cool. fascinating thing in this city. So yeah, well, if anybody's there and they run into you, well, <laughs> good luck to them. <laughs> But yeah, well, thank you again so much. I I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you, Stephen. This episode of The Composer Chronicles was edited by me, Stephen Chongar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. Find Adel on social media and check out both Hello from the Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Join our community of music lovers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Con Podcast. Here you can engage with our incredible community of music professionals and enthusiasts while staying up to date on news about our past guests. For more information about this podcast and to learn more about the composers, music professionals, and other featured guests on this show, visit alexandriamedia.org slash thecomposerchronicles. Next week, I will tell you the story of Richard Rogers and the conception of his musical Cinderella. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Alexandrian Media. Art and culture for the modern era.